We're going to look in Hebrews chapter 12. Hebrews chapter 12. I came to this church in 1990 as a teenager, and I've had the privilege of being able to pastor since 2005. My father-in-law started the church in 1981 in Tempe in a school, and they named it Royal View Baptist Church because of these verses here, looking unto Jesus. That's why they named it that. It's the Royal View. You're looking to royalty, not just to anything else, and the ultimate royalty, Jesus Christ. So let's look in Hebrews chapter 12, and I just want to walk through a simple, I think, uh, understandable walkthrough of these two verses and understanding it and how it relates to us keeping our eyes on Jesus Christ at all times, not just when you're coming to church. Hebrews chapter 12. The book of Hebrews is written to Hebrew Christians. And these Hebrew Christians um, had it probably a little harder than... Maybe in certain certain circumstances, they had it harder than some Gentiles because they weren't accepted with some Gentiles because they're Christians. Because Gentiles were following the pagans and the emperor worship. And they weren't always accepted with their other Hebrews who were non-Christians because they weren't Christians. These Hebrew Christians, it was tough. And chapter 6, the writer who could have been Paul says... He acknowledged their work of faith and their patience. And then in chapter 10, verses 32 to 39, he tries to encourage them. He says, you've been made a gazing stock, and you endured that. And now keep enduring and, and, and live by faith. The just shall live by faith. And, and he says, you have need of patience. And he's trying to encourage them in a scenario, again, where it's difficult. They've they're, uh, got the persecution from the Jew and from the Gentile. And then he uses chapter 11. What's chapter 11 about? Chapter 11 is about the hall of faith, people of faith. And right after chapter 10, after he acknowledges their difficulty, he says, all right. And he starts walking them through people of faith beginning with, uh, from the beginning, even acknowledging the, that we acknowledge God, the God of uh, recent creation. And, um, and that there was Enoch and there was Noah. And he, he walks them through each of these who they had faith, some of them saw that reward right now on earth. Some of them are still wait, awaited it, but they were people of faith. And he encourages them with all these people of faith who had choices to suffer uh, uh, for the cause of Christ or enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season. Walk them through all of names that are known and some that are unknown, people that were torn and sawn asunder and uh, thrown to lions, etc. And he walks them through it and he tries to encourage them. And then he brings us to this ultimate example. It's Jesus. The ultimate example of having faith. And the one we need to have faith in. So here we go. Hebrews 12, verses 1. Well, let's read verses 1, 2, and 3. He says, Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which does so easily beset us. And let us run with patience the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. For consider him 
that endured such contradiction of sinners against himself, lest ye be weary and faint in your minds. Well, I'm going to read this other verse because I just had something that came to mind. Ye have not yet resisted unto blood, striving against sin. I saw a guy wearing a shirt the other day, and it said, yeah, but did you die? And I, Yeah, but did you die? And I thought, mm, okay, is he, is he, I think what he's doing is he's responding to most Americans who were good at complaining. It's like, that should be a customer service shirt, huh? Comes up, hey, how may I help you? Well, I just got to tell you this. Yeah, but did you die? <laughs> That'd be good. I'm going to use that on my kids. Anyways, I, they, the, 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 they seriously, these Hebrews seriously were being persecuted, but the, the, the writer says, you haven't resisted, you're not bleeding yet. It's hard, and you're being made fun of, and people are going, ah, ha, 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 but you're not bleeding yet. And so he says, let's just look unto Jesus. Let's, let's look unto Jesus. Let's keep our eyes fixed on him. You know what I try to do sometimes? I've had to do this with all my boys, not so much my girls. But my boys, and my dad, I think, did this with me some, is that I have one of my boys, usually when they're younger, and maybe there's an older man or another person that is a, let's just say, um, uh, okay, like we've had where, where somebody has given our family a gift, you know, uh, of some sort for our kids, you know, some, we've had, we've had uh, different things given to us, you know. Somebody one time brought by tamales, somebody brought by... Uh, some oranges or something. And in a scenario like that, if that person's there, they're like, hey, this is for you and the kids, and or this is for one of your kids. Maybe there's an item that's for one of you. I'm like, oh, thank you so much. You see that? You see, let's see. Is any, did I pick on any of these? All right, oh, Grant. Okay, Grant. I'll be like, Grant, Grant, you're not the only one this happened to, okay? I'm not. I'm just, this is a Henry Boy tradition. I'll say, Grant, no, say thank you. Look at him. Look at him. Now, come on, just look at him, and I'll say thank you. And, and he's usually pretty good about it. He'll be like, because look at that. I mean, this guy's got a great smile. He'll look at him and say thank you, you know. But some of the other ones, they'd be like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'd be like, come on, look at him. Look at him. Say thank you. And it might be a little harder on some of my other boys to get him to look up. You know, there's a humbling thing about that, right? and say thank you. Well, here the, the writer of Hebrews is trying to get us to look to Jesus. We're not saying thank you. You, can't, you should say thank you. But what does he do to try to get us to look to Jesus? What does he do to try to get us to look at Jesus in our race? Now, we all have different types of difficulties. Some of us are going through them right now. Some of them just came out of one. Some of us are going to go into one. But it doesn't matter whether you're out of one, in one, or going into one. We all have to look unto Jesus in the race. Just like in a race, sometimes the race is easy, sometimes the race is hard. Sometimes you just got over a hard part of your race, but you still have to look to Jesus. And that's the idea. So look at four things he does to get us to look at Jesus. Um, number one, recognize the previous faith runners. Look at the first part of uh, verse one. The previous runners of faith, he says, wherefore... Seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses. So as we progress in our Christian faith, and we ought to be looking to Jesus, he says, no, wait, remember, acknowledge. See this? 
And he just described it in chapter 11. We are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses. What does that sound like a, a, a modern description of to you? When I say so great a cloud of witnesses and we're talking about a race, what does that sound like? Hmm? Olympics, yeah, kind of like that, yeah. People in the stands. That's the idea, the witnesses. They're people in the stands, but in this case, they're people that are in the stands that already did the race. He's referring back to chapter 11, all the people of faith, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and Samson, and all the, you know, Moses, and all down the line. He says, now that you saw what they did in that race, I just described it. Now they're sitting up in the stands watching you. And you got them like, I, I saw what that guy did. And now they're watching you back. I remember as a kid going to, well, sometimes you see it at ball games. Um, well, I saw as a kid at a track meet, you know, you'd have the, the boys usually would go, I'm trying to remember who went first. Boys would go, sometimes the guys would go first. They would go do, their, do some of their stuff and their 100 meter and their hurdles and their javelin and their whatever else. And, uh, and then they'd finish and they'd go sit up in the bleachers. And then the girls would do it. And they'd be sitting there in the bleachers going, yeah, you know, and they'd cheer them on, you know, because they were all done. And that's the idea here is that we have people that we saw in the Bible, if we believe the Bible, I've seen people in the Bible who trusted God and saw nothing that would give them a, a really, what you might say, uh, uh, some of them had nothing that they could see to help their faith. They just had a word from God. And they believed that word from God, and it came to pass what God had said. Like Abraham himself, whose body was as good as dead, and so was Sarah's. God doesn't make this promise to everybody, but his body was as good as dead, and so was Sarah's. And God just said to him, well, I guess he gave him an object lesson. See all those stars? That's how your seed's going to be. And Abraham believed God. All right, God. And God said, you know what? I'm going to count that guy as righteous. And he believed by faith, and look what happened. You know, and God sometimes tells us, and we almost have nothing else to see. We just know there's a word from God, and we have to believe Him. And out of a, something dead in our life can come life when we believe God, we, when we believe God like these people of faith. So we need to acknowledge there was other faith runners in our life. You and Whatever you and I are going through, let's remember that in times like this, there have been times like this. In times like your times, there's been other people that were in times like that. You know, it may not be the same exact thing, but the same uh, uh, maybe angst and the same pain and the same frustrations. And that's why, like, I'm going to go to the book, see if somebody else met. You know what? Even today, Brother Rusty was reading something. I'm like, man, I can relate with that right there in Isaiah's life. Something he said about Isaiah. And I never thought I could relate much with Isaiah. I mean, that guy seems like he's grades ahead of me. Dude, I'll never be like you, man. But I saw something today. I thought, I can relate with that. And he encouraged me. And I'm glad, because he's a, he's a cloud of witness that I had looked over at too in the, in the stands today when Brother Rusty was teaching. And it helped me. Seeing, so we got to look, that, acknowledge that there's a cloud of witnesses. There's recognize, number one, the previous faith runners. Number two, remove the, the hindrances. Remove the unnecessary hindrances. That's what we're taught. The secondly, look at chapter 12, verse 1b, right in the middle. Let us lay aside every, there's two things to lay aside, every weight and the sin which does so easily beset us. Sometimes people think the weight and the sin are the same. Sin is a weight, but I think that there's a weight that can be non-sinful. 
So in our life, as we progress in our life, as we say, I want to do what God says, I want to walk with the Lord, I want to follow the Lord, I want to do His commandments, I want to love Him, I want to have an effect in this world. As you're proceeding forward to live for the Lord, there's going to be two things that will hold you back, <coughs> according to this, what this verse is stating. Your own sinfulness, straying, disobeying. Sin means to go astray. It just goes like that. Sin, my own sin will, keep, will, will, will detract me from keeping running the race. They said, I read uh, Bill Rice's book um, on Cowboy Boots and Dark, I believe he said it in this book, Cowboy Boots and Darkest Africa. And he talked, and I don't know if this is true, but he said, rhinos, you don't, I don't want a rhino charging me. I don't think anybody does. But he says that a rhino can charge people and he said that, you know, you, you can run away. Because he describes different animals in Africa he encountered that he was afraid of. He wasn't as afraid of the rhino. He was afraid of, like, these buffaloes and stuff. They're bad. And lions. But he said the rhino would charge. And he said what's odd is that they get easily distracted. He said they would charge and maybe you avoid it or whatever. And then they might be like, oh, look at this vegetation down here. And they'll start eating it. And he said they can get easily distracted. That's what he said according to his book. I haven't verified it with uh, BBC, you know, whatever, the video. But that's what we can get. We're like, all right, I'm running my race. We're like, oh, look at this. And we get distracted doing none. we doing things that are, um, that are not necessary. Or we're actually just disobeying God. I, be, I develop a sin habit in my life. That becomes a weight. But then he says the sin and the weight. Perhaps a weight could just be something. I'm trying to do something. I'm living for the Lord. I'm trying to, you know, do the things that are what you might say uh, coherent with a Christian life. But I got all kinds of baggage with me. What do you mean? Like, well, I got this I do, this I do, this I do, and I got this schedule, and I got this game, and I got this project, and I got this club, and I got this, and I got this, and I got that. And I might go to church once a month. And I might have time to think about a lost person every now and then. That's a weight. Now, I've met people, they, they got so many things they're doing, and none of them are sinful. But when you collect them all, and you try to attach them to a, a Christian life, you're like, you can't, you can't run. You're going to have to give up stuff in order to run the race. Jesus had the disciples give up some things so they could follow him. Ask yourself, is there weights in my life? Now, that would mean, am I overscheduled? Even is my house too full of junk? I'm not saying there's not, uh, stuff that's not valuable, but even sometimes a cluttered house can distract your mind. And it can become a weight. Oh, I got to take care of this, and I got to take care of that. I got to take, like, do you really have to take care of all this stuff? Is this even necessary? You know? Weight? Is it a weight? Um, I read about Alexander the Great, of course, one of the great conquerors, not that he was a Christian, I don't think he was, or Old Testament believer or anything, but he, um, he conquered the world, his, that, known, that part of the known world very quickly, and I think died at age 33, you know, crying, had no other thing to conquer, so he thought, you know. Well, I read, because they would come in and they would conquer a place, they'd take spoils and they'd take the spoils with them, I mean, that's how they lived, they had to. They weren't dropping into Walmarts and resupplying things or going to the gun shops, you know. They resupplied themselves with what they plundered. Well, during one other battle, they brought some of their spoils and they were going against the Persians. I don't know if they had multiple battles with the Persians, but it was one of the battles with the Persians. 
and he was near defeat. The Greeks, he and the Greeks were near defeat with these Persians. And he was watching, and he, what he noticed is we have too much junk. And he told somehow their, their spoils were hindering their effectiveness in battle. And he ordered all the spoils from that previous battle, put them in a pile, and burn them. And they did, and then they won. It helped them focus. And I'm telling you, you know, I tease my wife about the minimalist stuff. But it's helped us to try to minimalize our life because sometimes we have, it's hard enough just, you know, managing our own kids and stuff. But sometimes we're trying to, we're trying to constantly minimal, minimalize things in our life. And so should we if you're going to run races. It's just like, you know, when you're literally going to run the 100-meter race. If I was, I, would, I, would just, I, I wouldn't be wearing a gold chain. I know some of those guys can get away with it because it's like nothing. I'm like, I want it all. I'm going to shave my head, you know. Put grease and maybe it's aerodynamic. I don't know. Make my, you know, you want to be light for the race. So, all right. So here's the Bible. Remove the unnecessary hindrance. Is there unnecessary hindrance in your life? Sin or just a weight? And then three says, run patiently. Look at the end of verse one. Run patiently. Let us run with patience the race that is set before us. Run with patience. Run means, you know, to, to progress and to, you know, a walk is, we're, there's, there's images of the Christian life, stand, walk, run. This one, we're going to stay with the thought and the spirit here of running. That is, you are eager. You're trying to move forward. You're not just trying to him haul around in your Christian life. You're not just trying to let, just take it. You're trying to progress. He says, we need to run. And you, when you run, you run with patience. The running with patience means to Patience doesn't mean you're just waiting. It means you stick at it. You stay at it like that. And I remember there's times when I've had to run, and I'm not a long-distance runner. But there was times when I had to run when I was in school, and I was like, man, I'm going to die. And I thought, yeah, you're only 14. Come on. You know? And it was in decent health. And, and then I remember the coaches said, stay at it. Stay at it. You know, they'd yell something and, at us to... And I'm like, all right. And sure enough, sometimes there's something in us that just kick in, and you're like, I can do this. You get the second wind or whatever. Now, that's what he's saying. He's saying, run with patience, that is, stay at it. Now, think about this. The Christian life, think about this. What did he say it was? It was a race, not a stroll. The Christian life, this means that um, a race, do you realize when a person runs a race, it is a specific Direction and course and end and boundaries. It's not just, hey, everybody line up. We're going to have a race and just go out there somewhere. And we'll tell you when we're done. No, they say, here's the, your left and right boundaries, and it's going to go this way, that way, that way, and it ends at such and such spot. And that's how the Christian life is. It's not like, okay, you're saved. Just go do what you want. I'm not going to tell you what to do. No, that'd be no. I'm not gonna. No, it's like there's certain things in the New Testament that narrow down the Christianity, and there's an end, and the end is when you die, when you see Jesus, or He comes to get you. And I need to progress forward, and not just do what I want this way, or do what I want that way, or follow the world this way. It's a little more narrow than that. It's a race, and I need, if it gets too hard, I gotta stay at it. Well, I don't like my Christ, Christianity is just too hard. It's just, it's just you know. It's just, it's just rules. This was kind of hard for him. I'm glad he did that for me. And that's what the example is, by the way, here. Look unto him. It got, things got narrow for him so he could accomplish 
the race of your salvation for you. So I need to run patiently. Look at chapter 10, verse 36. He says about them, this is, this is me, not just them. He says in chapter 10, verse 36, But ye have need, for ye have need of patience. After that, you have done the will of God. You might receive the promise. The idea is you, need, you have need of just, just pace yourself and stay at it, and then you do that. You'll finish the race, and you've done the will of God. Boy, I need patience. I take some vitamins because I need them, and, but I really need patience in a lot of ways. Fourthly, now remain focused. Remain fixed on Jesus. That's what he says here, the last thing that we want to consider tonight. Verse 2, remain fixed on Jesus. He says, as you're doing this, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. This is an interesting word here, looking. Looking, the word looking has the idea of, okay, so what do we say sometimes? Like if I'm going like this and somebody says, turn away your eyes from that. I turn away like this. If there's something right there, sometimes I'll tell our kids if we're going somewhere, like, don't look at that. Just turn away your eyes. You know, billboard. Turn away your eyes. This word is that, it's that flipped. It's, it's a, it, the word apo means to turn away. We say apostasize. Apo, and the other word is to look. It's actually saying turn away from everything else unto him. That's why sometimes people say it means to be fixed. You're turning away from everything else Onto him. Uh, the way it translates um, in our Spanish, puestos los ojos en Jesús, fixing, right. fixing our eyes, los ojos on, in Jesús. And that's how it translates for them in Spanish. And it's the same concept, looking, the, the idea I'm fixed. It's, it's stationary. I'm going to keep, keep it established. You know, they talk about plowing. Anybody plow? Anybody ever plow? We're all city folk in here. Anybody ever plow at all? All right, good. All right, uh, all right. So uh, this is what I'm told. Okay, I'm a city boy. Like I said, my grandpa had a farm, my dad had a garden, and I got a can opener. Okay, all right. <laughs> so, anyways, I say if you're going to plow straight, find the object way at the end of the field and fix your eyes on it, or get a part of your your hood on there, or whatever, and you stay focused on that. It's kind of like you know, surveyors do the same thing when they're trying to make something straight. And you do that, you can plow a straight line. And that's what it's saying, fixing our eyes on Jesus. A telescope. How many of you have been to the, you've been to the Repairing Preserve Telescope? You've been there, Estevan? Did you get a look at the telescope? Yeah, what would you see? Planets. I saw my eyelashes. <laughs> I was like, man, my eyelashes are in the way. Grant, did you get a see? We went there, right? What did you see, Saturn? Something, huh? Yeah? Anybody else go there? The Riparian Preserve got a little telescope. Noah, do you remember what you saw? I imagine. Saw space, yeah. Anyways, you, get a, you go to a telescope, and they, they fix it. They get it, and they get it fixed on a planet. Even if the planet's moving, they'll still make sure it's fixed on it, right? Um, uh, these uh, solar panels... I think some of them, most of them are at least, at least pitched like this. 
When he's pitched like this, I think some of them might even move like this. What are they following? They're following the sun. They're basically, even though they're moving, they're actually fixed on the sun. And um, uh, what else? A camera. So my, my son, Michael, took family pictures of us all uh, a couple weeks ago, and he made sure it was, you know, all standstill and fixed. You know, we have one right here. If it's not fixed, the solar panel, if it's just moving or it's pitched the wrong way, or the camera's bouncing around, or the, somebody keeps bumping the telescope, it's not profitable. It's not profitable. And if I keep missing, moving my eyes when I'm plowing, I'm going to have uh, furrows like this, you know. Yeah. It's like the dad, he told the son, son, go plow the field. He's like, well, how do you do that? You, get, you look way on the you look way at the end, and you get your eyes fixed on an object, and you just keep your eyes on that object as you go back and forth on the field. His dad came out, looked at the field, he's like, "What in the world?" It was like, "Is this the, you know, the, the 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 rows are going all over the place?" He's like, "What did you do? I told you to fix your eyes on an object." He says, "I did the cow," you know. <laughs> so the cow is moving around. Here it says, "Fix your eyes on Jesus." Looking unto Jesus, I was doing a, we have a, there's a song and <clears throat> that I tried looking up that for a choir song, uh, Look Unto Jesus, the, the author, the finisher, perfecter of our faith is kind of some of the lyrics, a beautiful choir song. I heard Crown College in Tennessee sing it, it's beautiful. I thought, boy, I'm gonna look, we're gonna, maybe we can sing that song. I started looking it up and I was listening to it and I started thinking, Ugh, this is really high. It's really, really high. I mean, like four or five extra sopranos that can get up there. I'm like, I don't know if we could do that one this year. But anyways, I looked when I was looking up this song, <clears throat> there's a website that there's several sources I go to look for music. <coughs> Excuse me. <coughs> and one of them, I looked up, I, I put in their search bar, search, look unto Jesus on the site to find out if they have this sheet music. And it came back and it said, zero results for look unto Jesus. And I was like, oh, okay, whatever. Now I thought, oh, wait a minute. Huh, somebody knows Drake in there. Zero results for look unto Jesus. There is results for us to look unto Jesus, right? There is results. If I, he says, look unto me, the result is be saved. For I am the Lord, and there's none else, he says in Isaiah. Look unto me and be ye saved, and be saved, he says. That's a verse that Charles Spurgeon was convicted by when he got saved. There are results. Here's I like what Corey Ten Boone said. She said, Look around and be distressed. Look inside and be depressed. Look at Jesus and be at rest. Don't you like that? That's exactly how I feel. Look around and be distressed. Oh, yeah. Especially CNN. Look inside and be depressed. Look at Jesus and be at rest. Let me read something. We'll wind this down here. I'll read something Charles Spurgeon said about the Lord Jesus Christ and his. It says, consider, look at like verse 3 says, Consider him that endured such contradiction of sinners against himself, lest ye be weary and faint in your minds. <clears throat> Listen to what he said. Ours, tri ours is a trifling cross. He talks about the cross of Christ and our cross. Ours is a trifling cross compared with that 
which pressed him down, but he endured it. He took it up willingly and carried it patiently. He never rebelled against it nor relinquished it. He bore the cross until the cross bore him. And then he bore the death upon it. He could say, it is finished. Let us do the same. Are you persecuted? Are you poor? Are you sick? Take up the appointed cross. Christ ran with a cross on His shoulder, so we must run. Do not try to escape trouble. The followers of the crucified must be familiar with the cross. Endure it patiently, joyfully, in the strength of God, fixing your eyes on Jesus. Behold His cross whenever you begin to faint unto your own. Look unto Jesus. That's what we need to do. That's, I mean, I, I started thinking, it doesn't matter. It's kind of like, it doesn't matter how good or bad my life is. I need to have that, that, that mentality that I'm still looking at Him. You know, sometimes we don't want to look at people when life's not going well. I don't want to look at that guy. Or I don't want to look at my spouse. But I always have to look at Him, whether it's hard or easy. I always have to. That is the safest way to keep running my race. I don't know what he, I was talking to my wife today, we're talking about, you know, the script. God writes the script for this church. He writes the script for my life. I'm not going to try to fight against it. And whatever he, I've got to look to him for, what do you want for me tomorrow, Lord? And just keep looking to him, not looking to myself. We're, we, are, we are a people right now in the morning, most people are going to get up in the morning and look to something. Or they'll look to the politician. Or they'll look to themselves. But we have to look to Jesus. I know it's very simple, but this is our focus. It's already it's made itself onto our, our church.